Good morning. There are uh, so many joys and blessings and treats that I have by serving uh, as a minister. And, and for those of you who minister in some form or fashion, you understand that there are blessings that come from that. One of the greatest blessings that I have um, is the opportunity that I have to serve uh, at weddings uh, and at, at funerals uh, to officiate those. But oftentimes, if some people ask me, they say, um, they know that I have a funeral, and they say, well, I know this must be tough. I say, yeah, it, it's sometimes difficult, but to be honest, I prefer those over weddings. <laughs> um, you know, there's so much less stress, and what there really is, is an opportunity to come into a very <clears throat> holy environment. Uh, and I, I can tell you time and time again where I walked into the house of a family who was, was struggling between grief and joy. And through that we were able to share some stories and learn more about the, our awesome God and His power through, through that person's life and ultimately through their death. When I'm preparing for funeral, there are really three main goals that I have. To remember and honor the deceased, to comfort the family, and to glorify God. Those are the three things that I, I look to do when I have an opportunity to officiate. And it can be a very emotional time. And, and it is very odd that usually in that time where we're sharing stories about the loved one who's passed on, there's, there's lots of tears and lots of laughter, and some of those seem to happen nearly in the same moment. Uh, and when the service occurs, there are lots of stories to be told. Now more and more you'll see pictures up on the screen and video, and what you've always seen is lots of testimony of that person's life, to, to let people know that they lived. And let them know that they had an impact. In fact, one of the things I really try to encourage people to do, those who attend the service, I encourage them to continue to share those stories, specifically with the family of, of the deceased. Because through hearing those stories, they're reminded of the importance of their loved one's life and the impact that they had. In one week, a good portion of our country and even the world are going to recognize that Jesus rose. And that's why we meet here every Sunday, isn't it? But I want to back up just a little bit. Because before Jesus rose, He died. And before Jesus died, He lived. And before He lived, He came. And before He came, He was. And so this morning, what I want to do is, I want to have a sort of a memorial service. I want to have a time of testimony where people talk about who Jesus was, what He did, how He changed lives, 
It's been a few years. Some of you have been here a while. But none of you have been long, here long enough to be first-hand witnesses to what Jesus did. So I won't ask you to share your testimony. And I certainly don't have a testimony of Jesus' life firsthand. But I know some people who do. And so for the next little while, we're just going to spend time reliving those stories. One of the things I really enjoy about a funeral is that I get to learn things about a person that I never knew. Well, we know a lot of these stories, and we've heard them, we've seen them played out on flannel boards all throughout our youth and on into VBS. There were skits, and we memorize these, and we read, and we study, but this morning, as we have this memorial service, I just want us to just cast aside all our preconceived notions and whatever we think we know about these stories, and let's just hear them again for the first time. We're just going to spend a little time. The basis of this begins in Hebrews chapter 12. Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Paul sums up the life of Jesus when he says this, Jesus who being in very nature God, Philippians chapter 2, did not consider equality something to be grasped, but He made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and He became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of His Father. Jesus started out with very humble beginnings. But as we remember Him, let's think back on that that early time in his life before he was even born. We are aware that Jesus existed. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Even before He was born, there was great excitement. The last several weeks, I've been communicating with a young lady who was in my youth group years ago. I had the, the joy of, of being at their, their wedding uh, and watching uh, Allison and Brandon uh, decide that they would commit their lives to one another. 
just a couple weeks ago, she sent me a text and says, I really need to, I need to talk to you. Will you give me a call? And I called her up and I said, well, how are things going, Allison? She goes, I need to tell you something. And I said, I said, what? She says, I'm pregnant. And we began having a conversation. She's about to enter a new chapter in her life. But the excitement that she has for that little child. Just five minutes ago, I got a text. She texted and says, I've got some more news. And I had jokingly mentioned uh, with her about twins, so I don't know if that's it or not. But she's really excited. Before that baby is born, there is rejoicing. Before Jesus came to this earth, there was great excitement. And after He came, the joy continued. Matthew chapter 2. After they had heard of this Savior being born, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Here these, these magi had come to offer gifts not only to the child, but to the Son of God. Little would they know that this little infant, He would be the one who would give gifts. We probably remember the story from Matthew chapter 14. But I want us to remember it again. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus, He's now grown up, went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw Him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they, they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, he walked on water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. and Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately. Jesus reached out His hand and He caught him. You of little faith, He said, why, why do you doubt? And when He climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were with Him on the boat worshipped Him, saying, truly, truly you're the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gesenaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country, people brought their sick to Him and begged, and begged Him to let the sick just touch the edge of His cloak and all who touched Him were healed. Jesus showed great power. But remember, He also showed great mercy too. John 8, Then the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. And Jesus said to them, 
Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of, the law of Moses commands us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But, but Jesus bent down and he started to ride on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to cast a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The oldest first, until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That woman was caught in darkness. And Jesus offered her life. Jesus continued to talk about light and to talk about life. No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on that last day, for it is written, they will all be taught. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only He has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate man in the desert, and yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. We weren't there. But can you imagine the conversation after Friday? As the apostles huddled in a room with the door locked, afraid of who would come for them next. And they would tell stories. I wonder if they came back to this story and said, remember when He talked about being the bread of life? And that that if we ate of that bread, we would never die? How different that story became in just a few days. But Jesus wanted to remind them that He was not only nourishment, that He was not only the bread, He also was the way. I am the gate. He said in John 10, whoever enters through Me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have life to the fullest. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for His sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters. 
The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and, and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus was telling them that He was willing to sacrifice for them. He showed power by walking on the water. He showed mercy to the woman who was caught in adultery. He showed compassion when He saw those who were hurting. On His arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet Him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my my brother would not have died. But I know even now that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. After she said these things, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. She said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she ran out to him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He said. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. He showed his compassion in so many ways, not only with a large group of people, at a funeral, but amongst His close friends. As He would tell His disciples, His close apostles, just a few hours before He's going to die, He he prays this prayer for them. And He says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in Me. In My Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. You know, He said that to the disciples, but He says that to each one of us today. He says to each one of us, I'm preparing a place. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with Me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth 
and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Me. Jesus would continue to minister to His disciples as He says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in Me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from Me, you can do nothing. If you obey My commands, you will remain in My love just as I have obeyed in My Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that My joy may be complete in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that He laid down His life for His friends. Don't you think they remembered that? Sitting in that dark room, mourning, grieving, I dare say lamenting, crying out. Why has this happened? Jesus would prophesy then what would happen in just a few hours. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and they they gathered the whole company of soldiers. They stripped Him. And they put a scarlet robe on Him. And they twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on His head. They put a staff in His right hand and they knelt in front of Him and they mocked Him. Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spit on Him. And they took His staff and they struck Him on the head. Again and again. After they had mocked Him. They took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named named Simon. And they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified Him, they divided up His clothes by casting lots. And sitting down there, they kept watch over Him. Above His head, they placed the written charge, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two robbers were also crucified with Him, one on His right and one on His left. Those who passed by hurled insults at Him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and teachers of the law and elders mocked Him. He saved others, they said, but He can't save Himself. He's the King of Israel. Let Him come from, down from the cross now and we will believe in Him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue Him if He wants to. For He said, I'm the Son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with Him also heaped insults on Him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over the whole land. At about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? When some of those standing around heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge 
He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Then the rest of them said, now let's leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open. And the bodies of many people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, surely this was the Son of God. It seemed to be the end at that time. But it wasn't. It was God's plan from the beginning. You see, several centuries earlier, we got a grasp of what Jesus would do from a prophet named Isaiah. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before Him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him. Nothing in His appearance that we should desire. He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Surely He took our infirmities and He carried our sorrows, yet we considered Him stricken by God, smitten by Him and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes this life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the Lord will prosper at his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge of my righteous servant will he justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils among the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was made numbered among with the transgressors. 
for He bore the sins of many. Because He took your sins and made intercession for us. He stood guilty on our behalf. It's amazing to think that this was His plan from the very beginning. From the very beginning. As we take time to remember Jesus and His life, though none of us were there, we, we have Him here. If we'll just believe Jesus was. Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and I put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then the Lord said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told them, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many more other miraculous signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. This is where this funeral service will depart from every other one. Because one, there is no body. And two, there is hope. Not just for this service, but everyone before and after it to come. We have hope because Jesus Christ came and lived and died and rose and promised that He will return and He will return. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ came. And next week, we're going to talk about rising, but today I want you to know this. He came, and He came for you. Not for the good you. Not for everything that's perfect about you. Not the good attendance on Sunday morning. Not the fact that you taught classes. Not the fact that you don't go to bad movies or you say good words. He came for the dirtiest, deepest sin in your life. That's why He came. He came because of your sin and your filth. And He says, it's my sin. It's my filth. I'm dying for you. Someone has to pay the price for your sin. Now, it can be you. 
You can say, I'm going to shoulder the sin and I'm going to take it. Or you can say, Jesus has offered to take my sin and He died so that I can live. This morning, let's live. Let's remember Jesus Christ. Let's stand and sing.